I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hello, everyone. Uh, Jeremy here from Sick Boy Podcast. And you might be wondering why we've dropped an episode today, which is not a Monday. Well, the reason for that is because today is a very special episode. This is a conversation that we recorded um, almost a month ago at Dalhousie with a group of uh, budding young med students in Halifax. And our guest was... Uh, this beautiful woman named Audrey Parker. Audrey uh, lived with cancer, and she is someone who signed up to take advantage of MAID, um, a system here in Canada that stands for Medical Assistance in Dying. And today is the day that Audrey has um, gone through with that process. Audrey died today. And so this conversation is a heartfelt one. It is a beautiful one. It is one that I feel and that we feel is extremely important. And we figured um, we would use today, November 1st, to be the day that we would pay our respects to Audrey and put this out to the world. Uh, Audrey, you are such a huge, huge inspiration to all three of us. And we know that your story is going to resonate very deep. We hope you enjoy this episode. It is a extra, extra special one. And we'll see you on the other side. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick live from <laughs> I see. I fucked it up. I tried. No, I tried. that's okay. It you was did all right. pretty, We did pretty well. You guys did great. Yeah. Jeremy could have done we, better, but that's can, okay. We'll fix it in post. <clears throat> Thanks yeah. a lot. Uh, thank you, everybody. We are here live at Dalhousie Med School. Uh, not pronounced Dalhousie, which uh, we <laughs> were some just, of our American friends and Torontonian friends we might think. Yeah, we're just in Ottawa, and everyone there says Dalhousie, which is really awkward and weird. Well, I, man, I think the street there is actually called Dalhousie. Is it? I think it is. Well, it's spelt Dalhousie. I agree. Um, this is, uh, is going to be a really, really special episode. We are sitting down with our guest tonight. I want to say, I cannot help but want to say Aubrey, but I know it's Audrey. It's Audrey. Parker. Yes. And uh, Audrey, I'm, I am simultaneously elated and excited to talk to you and also freaking terrified <laughs> because I think the subject matter which we are going to dive into today is it's something heavy. that um, hits pretty close to home for myself and and for the three of us I think um, but I can't even imagine how close to home it's going to be hitting for you so for anyone who who the listeners at home and for anyone in this room right now who doesn't know what it is that we are primarily here to talk about why don't you give us a little rundown 
Well, nearly three years ago, I was diagnosed with terminal breast cancer, and I am at the end of the line. I am invoking medical assistance in dying on November 1st. Which means you're... I have, I have less than four weeks left. This is fucking crazy. It is. I know. It's because crazy for me, too. I feel like I've never spoken to anyone who's legitimately gone, I know exactly what day it's I'm crazy, going. It's crazy, I know. Like but you, I kind of like it. I like it. I like it, too. I, 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 I mean, that sounds yeah. fucked yeah. up and weird. <laughs> you romanticize it. Yeah. I, I romanticize that. You know what? I do. I romanticize the shit out of this idea. You've been I, talking about this for like we have four, like hard three or four years time. with us. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and to see you sit across the table from me right now and say that into that mic with the, with the like... Cat. I'm chill. I'm yeah, chill. your your shoulders are relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, you are you you can say it so freely. You can see it in your face. I mean, I know that you're having neurologic problems right now, and your face is also super numb. <laughs> my face. I'm trying to put makeup on. I'm like, I can't even feel where the brush hits the skin. <laughs> can, can, can I just ask, like, why, like, why you you have four weeks left, and why am I here? Why are you here tonight yeah. with us? Like, why <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. you've chosen to spend what three two hours of that with us? Why not? Yeah. Why not? You know. When, when this all began, I had been suffering so badly with bone pain, but no one could really tell me what was wrong with me. For It was going on for a couple of years. I could barely walk. And then I developed Bell's palsy, and I went to the hospital. That sounds fun. What is that? Well, it's kind of like what's going on with my face right now. All only. the med students are like, no. <laughs> They're like, Jeremy, no, it's, no, it's, it's the not, worst. not fun. Yeah. I kind of feel like I have Bell's palsy right now on the left side of my face with no droop, which is really fantastic, I have to say. Because I started out with, with it on the right side with the major droop. It's like you're paralyzed, and you smile, and only half your face smiles. So anyway, I go to the that hospital. That sounds fun for like a second. Yeah, so it's fun for a second. Yeah. That's right. So I go to the hospital. You know, I, they admit me. They say, I just started a a steroid that gets rid of Bell's palsy, but I developed it while I was taking the drug. They said, there's something very wrong with you. So in the end, long story short, I have terminal cancer. I didn't even get to go stage one, two, or three. I was right at four. And in, in order to let my friends know that what the diagnosis was at the same time, all at the same time, I put it on my Facebook, not really thinking about the implications that I'm telling the whole world mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. So then, right, right from day one, it's been very public. I used to teach ballroom dancing. I've worked at a lot of different retail stores in town. Um, a lot of the work I've done, I've done lots, done lots of fundraising, so I know a lot of people. So it became common knowledge in the city Early on, right when, when so you, I've shared everything right from the beginning. When you, when you put that on Facebook, though, right away, were there were there people close to you that found out that way that you were like, "Shit, I probably should have told well, them." Maybe a couple, person? but no, but no, I think most people sort of knew. Yeah. My, I don't have much family, so the few family members I had, I was able to tell them first. Well, we were just in, um, we were just in Toronto and Ottawa, and we were, we recorded a bunch of episodes and. Like a, a, a common thread that came up in a bunch of the stuff that we recorded was this idea that when you are sick, the person that's sick ends up uh, taking kind care of, of taking <laughs> yeah taking care of everybody yeah. else. It's like mm-hmm. almost like the, the the burden falls on the sick person to exactly to what take happens. care of people that are. So mm-hmm. when you when you made that announcement, did you find that you you were kind of like picking up the pieces of everybody else? And it was more like I moved right into acceptance. 
unlike you, Jeremy, I, I had to figure out, it took a lot of people to figure out what was wrong with me over a long period. Maybe that would happen to you when you were a child. I'm not sure of the backstory. Yeah, no, it was pretty, I mean, it was like a year and a half. Yeah, you know so I mean? like, yeah. for me, I was just so damned relieved to know what was wrong with me finally. Right. So I moved right into acceptance. But my friends and family were like, whoa. What do you mean? What do you yeah. mean? Yeah, right. So then I had to kind of bring them along with me. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm, I'm curious to know, like, so let, let's take it back a little, a little further. You, I know you're not supposed to ask this question, uh, but I do anyway for the context of our podcast. How old are you? <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I'm 50. I just turned 57. 57. Okay. And so you, and you said you found out that you had stage four breast cancer, did you say three years ago? Yeah, so it was uh, in 2016. Okay, sure. So so up to 2016. It was the beginning of the year. It was like February 6th. Okay. So it was the beginning of the year. So up to that point. It was like February 6th or it was February 6th? <laughs> I think it was February 5th or 6th. Okay. I don't even, to be honest, most people would know that day, like they would know it. Yeah. Just the fact I don't even know what day it is just tells a lot right there, yeah. doesn't it? It yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, it is very telling. Acceptance. Mm-hmm. Because that, yeah, that would, that would, yeah, that would be I like moved right into acceptance date. because what could I do, you guys? What is, I, I didn't want to waste a second feeling sorry for myself or uh, being afraid or any of that because what is it going to do for me? It's just going to waste my time. Mm-hmm. And I had just gotten out of a, a marriage that left me quite uh, very unhappy and then I, f- I finally got the courage to leave, and then four months later, I find out I'm dying. And I just thought, frig, I'm going to have fun. I am going to have so much fun. Well, I'm was, going yeah, to I was have the- say, a, a divorce is like how freeing is that? Especially if you know if it's a if if that's the way you take it. If that's you're like, right. Oh, I'm free. I did kind of feel that way. Yeah. And you know, all my friends came back into my life, and my life was really good. So I just felt incredibly happy, and I just made a decision. I can pack in. 10, 20 years worth of fun into the next two or three years, or I can sit around and feel sorry for myself. Mm. And it's funny, three weeks ago, I almost started for the first time to feel a little bit sorry for myself. And I see feeling sorry for myself as kind of going down into a hole. And it takes an incredible amount of strength and courage to pull yourself back up out of that. Mm -hmm. So I just won't let myself go there because I'm too afraid I won't be able to find the strength to get back out. So I just never did it. I just accepted it. So when you, um, when you said that it took you so, it took you so long to figure out what was wrong with you, like, was that, was it the journey leading up to three years ago? The journey leading up to that where you had all sorts of issues and absolutely that that you you didn't know what was going on? No one could tell me what was wrong. And I was just in so much pain all the time. And it really makes you cranky. makes you just you just don't feel well pain is the my number one enemy yeah you like it's incredible the amount of medication i'm on so some days i can when i've been doing some interviews lately talking about medical assistance and dying i've been doing a lot of it lately and it's so hard because i want to articulate and and really bring the message across but when you're full of drugs it's sometimes it's difficult just to try to deal with it but i have to take them or i'm in terrible pain i I can't help but like sit here and (laughs) and and still wonder about this medically assisted um death thing and how and is it is it that fear of pain that kind of made you want to? Um, well, it's not going to get any better. That. I just went up like six or six to eight milligrams in my drugs. So I'm I when you I think uh, from my understanding in some cases when you get closer to death your pain does elevate and stuff like that. So yeah. my body tells me that it's getting ready to die. I'm noticing some of these changes, but for me the medical assistance in dying 
allows me to have control because you're looking at a queen of being a control, I'm a control freak. Yeah. I have controlled every detail. I even know what my last meal is. I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm down to like those little details. I, I revel in it. Yeah. Lobster eggs Benedict. Is my last meal. All right. I love <laughs> yeah. eggs, Benedict. That sounds that's like that's a very brunch esque. What time is this all going down? I, I, well, I want it, so I'm going to have it at brunch. Okay, time. perfect, amazing. <laughs> is there any industry okay, like that? Those are the little things that I'm that I think fascinate me the most. And you know, you talk about it a lot uh, around your situation, and yeah. we talk about it as as friends. Um, but those little details of going when you actually think like that's going to be the last meal, that's going to be the last like song I listen to all these little things that you take for granted on a day to day basis, you know, the, the last view that you're going to go and get, I mean, but maybe that's not the case. Right. I also believe that I can believe whatever I want to believe. So I could believe Amen I'm going to, to fairyland. Like I'm a, I used to be a professional ballroom dancer. I miss dancing so so much. Maybe I'm going to a giant ball ballroom in the sky somewhere. Who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. You and know. That, so who so knows? Is that kind of keep? Is that kind of? Is that? Is that the potential? Are you going? Oh well, who knows? I can just I can I can think up anything in my head and and and. And for all we know, it, it could be true. It could be all whatever. It doesn't could be even black. matter. Who I don't cares? think it matters. So you, is, is it, is, does that help you make those decisions and not see them as like the final this or the final that? I don't think it helps me make the decision. I think as a human being, it's something that's so much more. It takes more, more than just a whim to make that decision for yourself. Mm-hmm. But I think that it, it makes it more fun. I... I just always choose to have fun with things mm. and to and to be positive about it. My mindset, I have really been very good at maintaining a positive mindset every day. In the last, since I've been diagnosed, I lost my I lost a cat that I really loved, so I was sad for a few days. Might have had a couple of bad days, but other than that, I've been pretty damn happy every single day. Like well, I, I kind of want to unpack like where that comes from because, <clears throat> um, you know, I think that. Uh, I think it's safe to say, I don't know, maybe not, but I feel like it's safe to say that your attitude right now would not be considered the, the norm. Um, if, if most people put themselves in your shoes right now, there would be a bit of a different vibe surrounding the entire experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, like, up, up to the point before you, you found out that you were... Uh, Terminal with cancer. Mm-hmm. Had you in the in your past? Have you ever dealt with any other medical issues, or like had you been sick before, or or is this like, you know, are, were you pretty healthy and then one day someone's like, by the way, all of that has stopped. You now have terminal cancer. Well, that's true, but I did uh, go through encephalitis when I was eight. From the, I had the chicken pox and I I developed really bad encephalitis. They told my mother that I would die, and then if I did live, I would be severely brain damaged. So I made it through that. What I, uh, I know that probably everyone here is like, oh yes, encephalitis, right? <laughs> we're really we're really putting it on display. Wait, wait, yeah. it, it was impressive. I have no it. Wait, 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 fucking clue what wait, encephalitis is. Was it was it Japanese encephalitis? I don't know. Is that a thing? That's a thing, right? Is that a what? I think that that's a thing you go get shots for when you're traveling. Uh, I, I don't see can, a think, single person yeah. shaking their head. <laughs> you know what? I think you can tell by the, by the silence of the yeah, crowd that yeah. you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, I wish the people at home could see the. Is that is that a thing? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. Never mind, Brian. You're right. It's an <clears throat> infection in the brain caused by the Japanese encephalitis virus. Okay. Oh. Right. Easy peasy. 
Um, did you, you have? Did you have? Did you have Japanese encephalitis? No, or did I had, you have Canadian encephalitis. I had the Canadian version. I had okay. the chicken pox. Debatable. And. Um, <laughs> My brain became infected, and then I was living in, I was living, um, pardon me, in Wolfville, outside of Wolfville, and then I was rushed to the IWK by ambulance, and I remember having a spinal tap as a child. Oh no shit. Yeah, I remember it, but I had a spinal tap as an adult, and it was like, easy peasy. As a part of as a part of this new as thing a, that as this new, in fact they had they tried three times to, and they couldn't get the needle in through the bone. No. But I was in more pain than the spinal <clears throat> tap. The spinal tap did not bother me at all. Oh. But when I was a child, it hurt a lot. I remember yeah. like a lot of people holding me down. Spinal tap. I know it was it was incredible. So, Even just the thought of someone tapping my spinal does yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hurt. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, w- now, um, I'm I'm curious about. Um, I know when you when you had got this news three years ago. <clears throat> if I'm not mistaken, medically assisted dying was not yet. Uh, was I'm not, not 100 percent sure. Not Is that does anybody? 2016. Know? I think it was. First introduced. When, when did you first find out about it? I found out from my oncologist. I, uh, my oncologist had mentioned it to me, but I can't, for some reason I thought I'd have to be like almost on my deathbed and I could say, please bring out the needles and put me to my death. But he, um, he said, no, you can actually apply. Walks That's right. In, he's like with a hood. You're like, <laughs> whoa. Um, whoa, 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 whoa. This is intense. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But no, he said, no, you can apply for it now. And you could, if you wanted to pass away next week, you could. So, holy shit. Whoa, so it's that. So uh, uh, take us through the process. I have no idea. Again, we're, you're the first person we've okay. ever talked to that has it. So basically, it. He, he, my oncologist um, sent a referral to the maid office, which is the abbreviation for medical assistance in dying. I like, you know, I just, sorry to cut you off there, but you, you've said this a number of times, and, and, and out of the number of times you've said it, every time one of us have tried to say, say it, we fucking didn't say it right, because we, I have just been, I think what's been beaten to my head, and I don't know if this is like a media thing, but medical, medical assisted suicide, suicide that's right. medical assisted that. death, um, we're just kind of close to medical assistance in dying. But I, I really like that. I didn't know what MAID was until tonight Good. when you said you know medical now. assistance in dying. And I went, oh, yeah, MAID. That's, MAID. that's what MAID stands mm-hmm. for. I like that. That that to me is like a really... Civilized. Uh, it is a very civilized and like and sort of, I don't know, beautiful term, if, if yeah. one could say that. Well, because I, I think like, there's a lot. There's a, even though you can do it, even though you're about to do it in less than a month, there's a lot of people I feel like in this country and around the world who are so weirded out and and get fucked up by the idea and and can't wrap their wrap their heads around it. Well, like because yeah. of that, because of suicide, Absolutely. because of the word suicide. But but even you saying like my oncologist told me about it. Like to me, I'm like, oh, that must be a really fucking hard conversation to have. <laughs> no, I didn't find because keep in mind if if you're. If you're a healthy person and you look at me, you'd think, she is crazy. She's going to kill herself. You have no idea the pain Mm. that I live with. My pain is so exceptional that when I'm lying in bed and I'm trying to get you know, on top of the pain with my meds and stuff, my brain is saying to me, cut those legs off. Get them off your body. Yeah. It's like your brain is like, get them away from me because it's so horrific. Mm. So it's easy to judge if you haven't been living with that pain, Mm. but... It's just a civilized way 
If I had a cat and he was suffering, there's no way I would make him live to the end of his life suffering. So why should I have to? Right. That's been kind of the thing that I've that I think logically <laughs> in my in my head, especially when especially when kind of like the debate was ra- was raging and it wasn't implemented yet, and I was on the side of the fence going, well, why why not? Because logically, when you think about it, you think about your all the animals you've ever had yes. that you know you you just went, oh, it's it's. It's the end. It's it, it's it's responsible to do this, mm-hmm. or else, or, or else you're just putting putting that putting that pet through suffering. And why don't we have that? Why didn't we take that? Uh, why did, why haven't we realized that as humans yet? That humans have the same should have the the, the same right, or a, as an individual to choose that. I think it's because we put more value on our lives. We think our human lives are probably more valuable than mm. than the animals. So we have to stave off and live as long as we can. And that is wonderful. I think everyone should live as long as they can. But if you're suffering, I'm already at the end of my life. Uh, so many of my my spine, my both of my femurs, both of my hips, they tell me are hanging by a thread. I could stand up right now and go down and my hip could be just shattered. Oh, wow. So I, I live with that fear all the time. What if I'm in bed and I, tur- and I turn over and my spine smashes or something and then I become mm. paralyzed and I can't even call for help? You know, things like that could happen to me. So it's, it's quite daunting. And as much as I've got, you know, we'll say four weeks left, um, I have my, I have it all planned. I have a beautiful passing planned. But every day that I live, I'm also closer to a shit show. So shit show, nice plan. Mm. What's it going to be? Right. <laughs> so I'm really hoping that I get the good plan. <laughs> so well then what's what's that like Taylor is kind of getting to it, but like what's the process like after the oncologist yeah. like, oh, yes. tells okay. you about Excuse me. Yeah, that was my bad. I totally veered us uh, that you, way, but right. thanks for bringing us back. I'm gonna blame happens. it on you, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> so I so once he sends the referral to the maid office, then uh, Actually, a nurse practitioner contacted me in a few weeks, and she came to see me, and she's actually going to perform the medical assistance dying for me. And I really liked her. We had a great connection. And she asked me a lot of questions just to see if I was mentally sound and to see if, you know, this was something like if I would be a good candidate. I was a candidate because I'm terminal, but they wanted to make sure that mentally I was a good candidate. And then I had another... um, another meeting with a palliative doctor. He came to see me and asked me a whole bunch of questions and they both said, you're a good candidate. What, is, what are some of those questions like? I'm picturing like <laughs> a job To be honest, interview. I can't even really remember. They ju- we just talked about life. We just talked about my condition and how, why I decided to do it. And I think they just wanted to gather information to see if I was off my rocker. Right. Was, was, was okay. <laughs> was one of the questions, um, what would you eat for your last meal? Was it like, was it like a drop down menu of like no. lobster roll or? <laughs> I, I would go for a lobster roll. I, but I really do like it. If you knew one of your colleagues was stealing from the till at the end of the work shift, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. would you a report them? Yeah. Yeah. B ask for some of the money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. No, yeah, it was it was actually very easy. And then once once um, I was accepted, then they said she told me what you, what what it would incur. Like it's three different injections, and she said I just need to know what what drug stores are in this area so I can reach out to them and make sure that they have the drugs, you know, uh, in their, on their shelves for when we, pardon me, when we use it. Well, so so in, is she a physician? Nurse practitioner. Nurse practice. So she's the one that's actually going to make the injections. Yes. So it doesn't have to be an MD. Well, no, it, it can be a nurse practitioner, but she works in palliative care. So I have like a port catheter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on Halloween day, I have an appointment to go down and get this accessed. So they will put like, they will 
put the little the little, little, the little thing bop on in it. there, yeah. which is great because I have terrible veins to get IVs and things in, so it'll be all accessed. And then she's coming around one thirty the next day. And can I tell? I'm gonna, can I share my story? My what, what's happening yeah. that day? Fuck yeah! Are you yeah. kidding me? Absolutely. <laughs> I want to know everything. You want to know up to that day? Okay. Like every so detail. So my my um, it was very difficult. The woman who brought me into the world is going to be there holding my hand as I leave the world, and it was not an easy thing to get her to be as accepting as she is. I've had to work really hard. And she says, I know what you're doing, and it's really good what you're doing, but it's still going to hurt so badly. I said, I know, Mom. But anyway, my mom is coming the day before, so we will spend the day together. And then, the, and I'm going to have lobster that day, too. That's all I've been craving lately. <laughs> just lately eating, lobster. Just I'm going to turn into a lobster, that's straight. right. Yeah. Lobster and, uh, <laughs> so then uh, we'll have that evening together, and then the next morning we'll get up. We'll, uh, a friend is coming by to make us our brunch, and... Then another friend, uh, Laura Smith, who's a Canadian singer-songwriter who uh, I've known for many years, she reached out to me and said, I would, if you would like, I will come and sing as you pass away. And I said, Laura, I can't think of anything better. And Alan Bateman, who is also a, a well-known um, artist in Nova Scotia, and he's also uh, known throughout our country, he uh, did a painting, and I happened to mention on Facebook how much I loved it. So Laura reached out to him and said, Alan, would you mind if I borrowed that painting so I can bring it to show Audrey before she passes away? <laughs> he said, no, by all means, come and borrow it. And so uh, Laura will come with painting in hand, guitar in hand. And I just, I'm going to have my mother, my three besties who know my mother. It was really important that the people in the room know my mother so that she can be comfortable. My niece, I'm, I'm pretty sure, is going to be there. I have a young uh, roommate, 22-year-old young woman who's been my roommate the last year. It's been the best thing I ever did. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And um, we're going to all be together. And then I'll probably say some foolish words and some meaningful words, and then I will get my injections. The first injection will make me go to sleep, just like when you have surgery. They say that if you have a propensity for snoring, you're going to snore. Well, man, oh, man, I'm like a tank. I'm like a tank. So I'm going to be like doing nasal spray and stuff to try to make yeah. myself not snore. And, uh, How embarrassing. The, I know. And then, <laughs> and then the next injection will, uh, will sort of paralyze me so I can't move, which is what you would have if you were having surgery. Will that stop the snoring at least? I don't know, but I'm going to really try to shut the snoring down before yeah. I go to sleep. <laughs> you got to get and, one of those nasal strips. <laughs> <laughs> Just wear that. Don't worry, guys. This is all part of it. <laughs> exactly. And, uh, and then, the final, then the final injection will stop my heart, hopefully within 10 minutes, and that's it. And I'm just going to go to sleep like my little kitty cat did. And I just think it's going to be beautiful, you guys. I say that the first breath gives us life, but I believe our last breath, you guys, they're all crying here, oh my God. Um, the last breath, the last breath honors our lifetime. And I have had a kick-ass life. I've had a fabulous life. I just have. I just have. So, thank you. Some people pack in. So, Jeremy, I'm doing what you did. I'm just, I'm just double your age. But <laughs> I packed into 57 years, probably two people's lives. Yeah. I've traveled extensively. I've had so many careers. I've reinvented myself so many times. Um, 
I've just loved my life. It's so hard to say goodbye to it because I love it so much. But it's time. It's someone else's turn. Mm-hmm. And I'm, show, I'm getting to show all my friends and family another way to die. I've had, it's, I can only describe these last two years. It's been really two years. It'll be three. When I pass away, it'll be three months shy of three years. And I can only describe it as glorious because I made it that way. I made it that way. I set up my life. I got rid of all the toxic people, all the mean-spirited people from my life. I moved into an apartment that I loved and luck my husband and I had divorced so I had money because I had, you know, I got money from him. <laughs> and uh, he's still giving me money. He's giving me money next week. <laughs> so he got me through this. He supported me essentially through to my death, which it's fun to laugh at, but it really made a difference. It mm. really made a big difference, not worrying about how I was going to pay my rent every month and stuff. And I have phenomenal friends. And this Halifax, oh my God. I go out to restaurants. I, you know, I go to balls and fashion shows and people treat me like the queen of Halifax. I am a miss, a former Miss Halifax, but <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm you being treated. Be. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel like I'm being treated like a queen everywhere I go. So thank you, thank you, thank you to the citizens of Halifax. Mm. You have made this experience exceptional for me. And I, I, I'm like, when hearing you go through the day, that day is like, um, it's like, it's like hearing uh, my birthday is next week, and it's almost like some Happy birthday. Uh, yeah, thank you, and uh, and so, that's really all I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and and you know, like so, and you have people going, well, what do you want to do for your birthday? And then you, you kind of start to think about it, and go, and then. When you make your decision on what you're going to do, then you're like, "Oh, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do." And it's, it, it sounds like you're. That's the day you're describing. You're describing this day, and then, but then you get to that final, those final few moments, and I feel like that's where, and maybe you guys all feel the same. Is uh, is that as as a group of people that don't know that you know when's when's my life going to end? I I don't know. Like on this in this moment, it could be later tonight. It could be tomorrow. It could be 50 years from now. Who knows? Knowing that day, it's like this, it's this crazy, I don't know, whirlwind in my mind trying to wrap my head around what it would be like to be in your shoes and to, and to understand that this is, that, that this experience that we've been going through has this, like, has this set date. It's honestly, it's the stuff of movies and it's the first day, it's the first time I, that I can think of and that, that I, that I'm assuming in history that we've really been able to have this. It's pretty cool, this really. Outlook. Super cool. I mean, like, that's one of the things that I, you know, going around and, and speaking at different conferences and, and things, one of the things that I, I often ask the audience is, if you had the ability, like, if you were given the opportunity to, to know. know what your day would be, would you, would you take that offer? Freak and, yes! And, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you know what? The answer for what seems to be like 99% of the people is absolutely, absolutely not. And I I feel very strongly that there's that in knowing knowing that date or having a sense of what that might be is like the ultimate gift. And hearing you now sitting and talking to us about this is you're just reaffirming everything I believe so strongly in. 
it's not bad, Jeremy. You know what, you guys? One of the best things I did for myself, and I highly recommend this to every single human and for all the budding doctors that are um, looking so beautiful as they sit up there, what's to say... What's to say that it's wrong to make peace with your death when you're young? You've had to do it, Jeremy. I've had to do it. What's to say that you couldn't, you know, figure out, make your, why can't you make your funeral plan today? Why can't you write your obituary today? You why should. can't you? you so That's should. right. Yeah. I wrote my mind. It's so frigging long. It's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And luckily, the lady who owns the Chronicle Herald is my friend, and she said, Audrey, don't worry about it. I'm going to cover it for you. And thank God, because it'll be like three or $4,000, right? <laughs> but I, true to my spirit, and I have several groups of very important girlfriends to me, and one of the groups said, Audrey, you're just the eternal teacher. You're just always teaching. And I feel like that's what I'm doing right now. I'm teaching you guys how to die well. Yeah. You have more power than you realize, is what I'm trying to say to people. You have the power to not go down that hole. You have the power to decide that you're going to have a positive mindset every day. You have that power. No one owns that power but you. Mm. You own how you handle things. And I've been like that my whole life. I didn't allow anyone to do anything that would define me. I define me. So Fuck yeah. Fuck, fuck yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's like I, like I I I love that. I, that's my, one of my favorite things, you know, is like you are, you are, but you're the king of it because you are not letting CF define. I who let you it are. define me, but on my own, on your own terms, terms my That's own right. way. That's right? right. That's right. And I just, I, I want. I'm so glad that you're sitting here and having this conversation with us. And and I, you just said something that made me kind of think. You know, you, so you've written your obituary. Uh, awesome. That's super badass. Um, I one thing I'm I'm curious to know is if you. You you alluded to it earlier that you might say some silly things before before you go to sleep, um, and I'm wondering if you've thought about what you're going to say, or if you've written anything, or if no. you're just going to let That's it. That's the only off thing the I'm top. not going to plan. All right, how about this? Have you thought about what you're going to say to yourself? As that, I don't think so because I've already. I think when I first <coughs> made when I sat in the dot when I sat in the hospital. And the radiologist came up and said, I'm not liking the look of your chest x-ray. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I don't like the look of your bones. I'm like, what do you mean? You don't like the look of my bones. <laughs> and what's wrong with my bones? I've got beautiful bones. I've got beautiful ones. Yeah. And uh, I said, are you, are you saying I might have cancer? And I said, I'm fucked. <laughs> That's the first thing I said. I said, I'm fucked. That is exactly what's wrong with me. That is the first thing that makes sense to me that anyone has said. And sure enough, I had breast cancer. And they found the secondary cancer first, so then we had to find the first one. Now, I had breast reduction. I had mammograms. And they say for me to have so much cancer in my skeleton, it's got to have been in my body like 16, 17 years. Holy shit. So, But I had all these other things going on in that time. So it's an anomaly. I don't know how... Because the tumor is so gigantic now... I would have felt it. I would have seen it. And it's just like it just popped up there one day. And, and so I don't really understand. They don't really understand. It's a little bit of, 
it's a little bit unusual in my situation. And my skeleton looks more like a skeleton of someone who had prostate cancer, not someone with breast cancer. What does that, what does that mean? What, like, just, just so much of it. And oh, okay. it would tend to, that you would see that in a man more often than you would see it in a woman. Mm-hmm. My uncle, I had uh, a tumor nearly take out my hip last summer. They caught it within such a short amount of time of just shattering and I wouldn't be able to walk. I might have died. So my oncologist, uh, my surgeon, he's the only uh, surgery or uh, oncology surgeon in uh, the Maritimes. And he said, Audrey, you have one of the top three worst cancer riddled skeletons I've ever seen. Wow. And uh, it's just amazing to me that I could still walk, that everything has been pretty darn good. But um, the other thing is attitude. Your attitude. If you can get patients to somehow learn that their attitude plays such an important role in their getting better, staying well, uh, living longer. Um, I truly believe that the reason I'm still sitting here is my attitude. I absolutely mm-hmm. believe that. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's like the thing that is so captivating to me sitting here, like your attitude. Jerry, what's the, the quote, the Mark Twain quote that you say a lot? Um, uh, the fear of death follows from the fear of life. A man who lives fully is prepared to die at any time. And that's, and like... I love it, that's beautiful. And mm-hmm. that's like... The way that like you live life and your and your like happiness and love for life is what I'm mm-hmm. like I'm so drawn to right life. now and yeah. and I and like it's so obvious that that's why you're okay with all this process mm-hmm. because like you're so you you feel so fulfilled in in life every single day that absolutely when the end comes you know that you did the best job to mm-hmm. do what you could to live. I I totally agree with you, Brian. It feels like I made a decision. I've been on my own. I moved out on my own when I was 16. I did not finish high school. Just because of life circumstance, my childhood was difficult. And when I came to Halifax... Drop out of school, kids. The whole point of this is drop (laughs) out of school if you're listening at home. No, but I did. So I came here with a grade, came to Halifax with a grade 10. It's going to be my obit, so I'm not telling tales at a school. (laughs) I lay it on the line on my obit. I give all the backstory because some people don't realize my backstory. And people that grew up with me think that maybe that's all my life was, was what it was when I was a child, and it certainly hasn't been that either. So when I came here, I had no education. But I, my mother instilled in me to always be a lady, to always treat others with kindness and dignity and all of that. And I took all of that very much to heart. And I say to people, and I, I've said it in many of my interviews, you know, really take note of the web that you're weaving right now and how you're treating people. Because as you go through your life, you're all really young now, my beautiful medical students sitting up there. You're all young now, but... Lots of things are going to happen and make you cranky and make you difficult and, and make you not your best person. But make sure that you treat people with respect because those people, you know, they say, like, be, be careful of the people that you deal with on the way up because they're there when you come back down. I really, even today, I think, okay, what can I do for someone? You, I, you can't believe the things I've done for people in the last week. Yeah. In the last week, all I think about is what I can do for other people. And by doing that, it enriches my life so, so much. So being a good person and putting goodness into the world, I've been able to do it, but I'm still strong. No one, like, 
don't fuck with me. <laughs> you know, like, I, like I'm a good person, but if you fuck with me or people I love, I'm coming out swinging. But I'm still a nice person. I'm still a really nice person and helpful and good. I think, I think in the moments of, of like... Of, of clarity that I've had in my life like you're oh. the person that I want to be oh that's and, so nice <laughs> and um, but the 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 thing that um, I wonder is is I've had so I've, I've gone through a lot of phases in my life that I kind of look at as as being chapters mm-hmm. and a there's a lot of it. there's a lot of like uh, really happy times that um, you know they come to an end and there's kind of those moments leading up to the very end of it where there's this like profound level of sadness because you're moving um, on going to move on to something different. And, oh, don't and, be sad. Yeah, I, I know, but it's, it's easier said than done. So for example, I just, um, I just finished uh, a few years of, of coaching um, canoeing and, and one of my favorite things is working with um, like young kids and trying to shape the lives of oh, people who are growing up. And, yes. and when that last day of coaching came... You were heartbroken. I was heartbroken. Mm-hmm. And like leading up to that last day, it was like, I was just so excited. Like every day was so great because I was like, that, you know, I only have a week left with these guys and I want to leave them with like the best. I just want to have the most fun this entire mm-hmm. last week. And then like even the morning of the last day, I'm like, this is going to be the best day ever. It's a... The last day I'll get to do this, I'm going to totally like live it up. But then the last few moments of that day come and there's like this sadness, such a profound sadness. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm wondering if you're, you're worried that no. when you get to those last few moments. Because I don't, I, no, I've got a few years on you, Brian. I know, that's what I'm, I'm trying to learn from <laughs> okay. you. I can so, see that. So what I do is, so in that situation... Um, because I'm, uh, my, one of the greatest joys of my life right now is making friends with a lot of the children of my friends. Mm. And I'm always doing teachable moments and, and trying to pass on uh, little nuggets of information that will help them and serve them as they get older. And, and all the little children in my life, I always go up and I whisper to them and I say, you know I'm going to be your guardian angel, so don't worry about anything. Mm. I'm going to be your guardian angel. So in that situation, when you were helping the kids with the canoeing and stuff, just think of all that you impacted, all the, that, all the good things that you brought to their life, but you also learned about you as a human, you as a man. So you don't, I don't look at it as the, as the finale. I look at it as all of that that you're doing for others is just padding you and making you an even better human so that you'll be able to help even more screwed up children. You know, you'll be able to help yeah. people that are even worse off. So I don't see it as a finale. I just see everything as building on everything else and making us better and better as we go on. And so, um, how do you, but how do you like, it's the end of your life though. Like how do you, but maybe, maybe it isn't. We don't know. We, no one knows a hundred percent. So maybe my spirit will live on. Maybe it won't. Maybe I always say I'm gone, but, uh, you know, my friends are like, don't do that. But anyway, (laughs) two of them are sitting right there looking at, look, 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 they're looking at them. (laughs) But I don't know. We don't know you guys. And it doesn't really even matter if, be the best human you can be. And if you can be the best doctor, the best human, the best son, the best husband, the best whatever you're capable of, then when, you, when you're on your deathbed or when you're at the end of your life, 
you, I feel so proud of myself. Like I never dreamed in a million years that I would be an advocate at the end of my life. Mm. Not for one <clears throat> second. I've helped our hospice. I've helped um, get the, the word out about medical assistance and dying recently. I didn't dream any of that. And it's happening. It's so wonderful. And that's the thing is like you, you know, Brian, you're saying, but it's the end of your life, but it's the end of your life. Like how can you, I think once you have that capability of really just letting go of that. It's just how you roll. It's just how you roll, right? Like we just want to hold on to life so hard, but there's this, there's this ultimate beauty in letting go and, and not fearing that transition because once you, you. once you let go of that fear of that, of, of Whatever that passing is, that passing over to whether it be black, whether it be infinite white energy, whether it's Mm -hmm. a completely different life as a fucking dog, who knows? Once you let go of that fear of making that transition, then you are are totally able to like... Just live, live for every moment told, that there is. And I don't give a comes, shit for anything. I don't care. But, yeah, I, but I, totally, I totally, I totally, I totally hear. I hear what you guys are saying. But like, also, I know that. Like, for example, to go back to coaching, like, I know that there's life beyond that, and I'm looking forward to that. Like, I, I'm so excited mm. about what lies beyond as well. But it's. You're just, just sentimental. Yeah. You're allowed. We're sentimental. We're in different situations, and you know, we're. We, I know Jeremy's not like on his deathbed right now, but you, you have a you have a perspective that's slightly different from Brian. Well, I've just, I've been, just, I've been forced to like think about it. I've think. chosen yeah. to think about it a lot and, more than than you might have. And I wouldn't. And I think that that the whole you know should you be. When when that debate was going on in term when when made wasn't a thing and it was it was I feel like it was presented as as this really black and white thing but I, there's massive shades of gray and, and and when you say well would you want to know when you die yeah. would you want to know that date and the answer of like me being healthy as I am today would be no I don't want to know right of course now yeah. if I was sick that would probably change I would see that being changed but. It seems to be. It seems to me that it's been really ingrained in our minds, and this, this, like what you said, the grip on this grip on life, like this insatiable grip on life. And from like the medical perspective, I mean, like everything that's everything has been put into how can we make people live longer, healthier? Everything is like everything is to prolong life and to make it. And I feel like a byproduct of that is this is this mass is a grip. This grip that we mm. that we that we have on life and. The conversation around death and what happens when you die, or what happens leading up to your death, and how you feel about that, and how you how you cope with that and deal with it, has I feel like been kind of left by the wayside. And I I, I gather that by our conversations, yeah. by the by the amount of conversations that we've had around that, that it's a really tough subject mm-hmm. to talk about. And a question that's been kind of floating around in my mind as you've been just stealing the stage and being so wonderful <laughs> right now um, is swearing your 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 little mouth off is um is is this is this audrey forever is this is this has this always been you or is this perspective and this attitude that you're that you're kind of that you've that you've come here with and that you're presenting which is beautiful is is that a byproduct of your experience with cancer is it a byproduct of your decision to 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 choose your date or has it always been there well i just wanted to make this one comment about the date the difference with 
people, you, you said that uh, a lot of people were asked if they'd want the date, that if they would want to know that, and they said, no, I've chosen my date. It's a little tiny bit different. Yeah. I'm in control of that totally. date. And I could change my mind if I wanted to. <laughs> if I said, no, I don't want to do it today, I'm going to do it tomorrow, I could change my mind. I'm not, but I could if I wanted to. I've had that discussion with myself. I will not be changing it. There's no way. It would take like a profound miracle for me to change that. I, I'd have to wake up with no cancer in my body, which is not going to happen. So that's mm. beside the point. Can you just remind me the question again? That, what, the, what, what <laughs> no, that's okay. What you've come, like the, the way that you've, your perspective and your attitude. Is this new or has it always this, been me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think I've always been like that. There's people in the audience who know me. I think I've always been like this to a certain degree. I've always been a boss, I've been told, okay. Um, I'll I'll take that as a compliment. (laughs) Um, I think it's always been me, but... A veiled threat or a a, a veiled backhanded comment, compliment? I I think I kind of... I was looking at an interview that I did the other night. I just made this video for an event and I started crying, and I don't cry about stuff. I, I really have never really cried and said, oh my God, I've got cancer. I've never done that, not once. I kind of feel really proud of myself right now. I feel like I'm my best self right now. I feel, I just feel like I'm my best self. I don't know how else to, to put it. You, I, I feel like I've done everything I wanted to do. I'm trying to finish a book in the next three weeks. Oh, fuck. Um, God. I love what pressure, though. I work really done? well. You, I, again, I work, what are you doing yeah. here? <laughs> Go home and write. Listen, I, I, I put it. I just put it on Facebook. If anyone wants to see me, they have to come Friday nights because there's no more visitations. Um, I could really fritter away the rest of my life and accomplish nothing, but that's not how I roll. I mm. need to. I need to be helping people and accomplishing things. So, I feel like I've always been this person, but it took all of the experiences that I'm having right now to just solidify it all. To really. To make me feel like I am the best that I can possibly be, and I feel like I'm there right now. Do you do you feel like there's a like there is an emotional uh, release of some sort that might have that might happen with you? Like I like like I see I see you guys like being brought to tears, and I, that's just it's it's just not it's it's more likely the case that like. Four days from now, I'll be driving, and like a Joel Plaskett song will come on. And I'll just be like, uh, yeah. Yeah. and I'll just break down, or you know, whatever the case. Like it, it'll come, it'll it'll come on yeah. at some point. Dude, we get it. You're a psychopath, and you're just yeah. <laughs> you're you're pretending that you'll cry in the future. Yeah, That's right. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have emotions. Yeah, later. Yeah, this this is, yeah, this makes me feel stuff. Um, <laughs> I, I, can I can, may I ask a question? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Jeremy, how do you feel? Because we are kindred spirits of sorts, how do you feel sitting across from me, knowing that I'm going to go before you, and that, like, how does that, how does being around me affect you today? Uh, like I said earlier, you you just you're you are you are solidifying everything that I believe in. Anything, any time I may have like questioned my thoughts on what it means to die, like you've you've just locked all that in, Good. and um, and I know that when you do, when that day does come, I'll have a glass of wine waiting for you. I will, I will drink a g- bottle of wine for you that day, <laughs> and I'm, you know what, I'm 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 gonna. Um, I've been I, on the opposite end of you um, over the last little while. 
since this this trip I took to Salt Spring Island, I had this sort of like um, very very uh, intense and and like strong epiphany on, on what it means to die, mm-hmm. specifically on like what my thoughts are on what comes after. Ever since that moment, I've been extremely emotional. Uh, I've, I find myself crying a lot. That's, and good. I That's probably good for you. I fucking love it. It feels mm-hmm. so good. So I, I just, I know that that day, when that day comes, and, uh, and, and I know that you're taking that like beautiful transition into whatever's next, I'm going to cry so fucking hard and it's going to feel so good. I think so. I think it's going to be so beautiful. When I take that last breath, I just believe in my core, you guys, that it's just going to be a beautiful finale of my beautiful life. And you know what? This is is another thing that, that... We've we sort of joked around about this and we talked about this, but you, when you said how you want that day to specifically go, and you said uh, you know your mom's going to be there and and your friends will be there and you know you're going to have an artist come in and play you out. Um, I we joked about we sort of talked about this I think on the podcast once about like what would be your ideal death, your ideal way to go, and I. I had this idea, and when I when I said it out loud, I thought to myself, "Well, no, you can't really do that, though, and that's not you know that's not um, that's not okay for maybe the people involved, and and, uh, and there, there's something very whimsical about that idea." But now I'm sitting here and I'm going, "No, fuck no! You can do whatever you want. That's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> do whatever if, you want. If, if that's if that's the way, you know, I'm I'm fine right now. But let's just say that." Uh, you know, things go the way that statistically they'll go, and I get to a point where it's like, okay, well, made is here, and you can take this. You can take this route. Th- then hell yeah, I'm going to do it the exact way that I want to do it mm-hmm. because it is your choice. You have it, like why why wouldn't you allow yourself to do exactly what you wanted for that last day? I know. Why, and I think why, that if, I think that if your family and your friends see see that. That you're you're doing exactly what you need and what you want for that, they're they're going to be there for you. They're going to see the beauty in it, and they're going to mm-hmm. accept that, you know. And I think it helps them. I've yeah. shared my journey so much so that we just like my friends and I like we talk about it like we're cooking soup, you know. <laughs> we talk mm-hmm. about we joke about it. It was hard. My friends, one of them is sitting here tonight, used to cry incessantly. Every time I saw her, she would cry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, now we talk about, I said, what if I can't use maid? And then my other friend that's here tonight picked up a pillow and went. <laughs> I'm really happy to know that, like the way the way that we talk about this shit yeah. is also being done. Yeah. And like, we're fifty somethings, right? Yeah. We're yeah. like the older crew, we're the older girls. But but no, I, I'm really hoping that the fact that I've shared so much with my friends and family will help them grieve, and they know that I'm not going kicking and screaming. I'm going of my own volition. That I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's my way, and and I'm really hoping that it will help. Do, and, you, yeah. do you think that there's a like a business in in planning like extravagant deaths? Hell yes! Deaths? Hell 
Yes. Because I feel like if that I was going to really... live, I'd probably do it myself. Yeah. That'd <laughs> <laughs> like be another reincarnation like a, of myself. Like a death planner? Yeah, like like something there really extraordinary. There are people out there. There are people doing it already. Funeral celebrants, right? Yeah, that, like, yeah that but be, I don't mean that. I mean like orchestrating like uh, a. Uh, like, like a, a wedding party, I'm having like a theme Dude, I have a theme yeah. for an my funeral event planner yes yeah. just hire an event planner and be like look this is gonna be the fucking craziest event you've ever planned <laughs> <laughs> but that's what that's what I'd be doing I'm like I mean, I mean at the very end of it you're gonna have a death on your hands yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all on you. you you could do a murder mystery party <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, that, that would actually be so. That would actually be. That, that's my idea. That See, this is, is how we talk. That this is how I talk. Hilarious. He's talking my language right now. But, then, but the shitty thing is, you would die, so you wouldn't know who solved the mystery. Like fuck. No, my idea was to do Hamlet, and then everybody everybody has to rehearse for the role. It's well, not no, a work. No, that's the that's the part. Hamlet. I is that is that end. right after you die? Right, or let's let's just say you're the one dying. Okay, shit. <laughs> We're hypothetical here, Brian. Yeah. And then you die, and then right after you die, a bunch of clues are handed out to everybody at, and at the party. And they have to figure who yeah. did it. And then it's like, well, <laughs> who did it? I think it would be amazing if um, if you and your wife both had terminal cancer. Hear me out to the end of this. <laughs> and, uh, I'm like, and I'm like, this is the part where Brian <laughs> goes too far. And then, <laughs> and then you both signed up for Maid, and you planned the same day, and then at the end you reenacted Romeo and Juliet. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and then you kissed yeah. and died. Yeah, that's pretty Someday. romantic. Have yeah, you romanticized? Because I know Jeremy romanticizes this, and now, but since and so, it's it's real for you, but in a more, in a less real way, because your your day is 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 coming so soon. Have you romant? Is there any like romanticism around it, or not a speck? No, no. Do you do you um like when you wake up tomorrow morning? Is is it in the back of your head from the I moment you wake up? I don't think about you guys. I still haven't even, I still haven't even cried about having cancer yet. Like I ju- it's just mm-hmm. not. I just make peace with stuff. I make decisions quickly. Do you think you'll have that emotional release though? Like mm-hmm. the day of, you know? I don't think so. You don't, don't think? No, I really don't. I just feel so bloody at peace. And you, you you asked a question earlier, and I looked up at my friend Nancy who's sitting here. I had a I had a beautiful meeting. With David McGinley, who's a well-known oh, minister, you know who I'm. Love David, he's the shit. And I, so you asked, <laughs> so you he asked me, have I had like experiences in my past that might have helped me cope better now? Mm. And um, I'd have to say yes. So I, I mentioned the encephalitis, and we got off to like the Japanese encephalitis. Yeah. Um, but I also nearly Dang. drowned when I was 12. And David McGinley believes that I probably had a, a, a true near-death experience. And once you've had one. Usually you don't fear death anymore after that. When I was, I was only 12, and I remember I used to tell the story with, you know, there was a tunnel, and there was an entity at the tunnel. And, but then people kind of looked like adults would look at me like I was you know, crazy, so I took that out of the story and just took it away. But I do think I probably did have a near-death experience. And I just never feared death all the time I was growing up, and I just don't have... I just feel like it's part of our our natural journey as a human. I just, mm-hmm. uh, but because of our societal beliefs and things, we, once we get old, that's it. D- don't want to know the old people. Don't want to see the old people, <laughs> especially if they're dying. We don't want to deal with that. But I think we have to make changes in our society. And I think to fully grow and to fully accept ourselves, we have to accept all of the journey, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. And just, deciding to stop at a certain point is of no value to us. So the death part to me is extremely important. 
I, I, want to, I want to experience it. I want it to be a beautiful thing. And maybe right up to the, be- the last breath is horrendous, but I still believe that that last breath is fantastic. What is your, and if there's a degree of, uh, of, of privacy in this that you don't want to share, by all means. Um, we want to know um, any secrets that you're taking to the grave. <laughs> so if you could just tell us now. Um, oh, we won't tell anyone else. What is- I almost said you guys kill me, but I won't say that. <laughs> Such a dad joke. Such a dad joke. Um, what's your What's your experience been like with uh, with David? And for for any of you who don't know, David McGinley is a um, is a he works in the uh, um, where does he work? He's a palliative chaplain. care chaplain. Chaplain at uh, at the hospital. The high priest. The high priest. High That's priest. right. He's like six thousand feet tall. He's he like so and, tall. Um, it's uh, he's like six foot seven. I think. Yeah. He looks he like would smoke man. his head off that door frame. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Would. Oh no, he's extremely tall. Like I hugged him, and I and I used to be tall. I've, I've been shrinking. I've been shrinking by the years. I used to be five foot nine. Now they're telling me I'm five foot six. Oh wow! Anyway, I went to hug him, and it was like yeah, yeah. really yeah. high. He's a chaplain by yeah. day and yeah. a slender man by night. <laughs> now, <laughs> other than weird mix, other than know. being enormous he's also uh he's Kind also, and he's beautiful also just the, oh, one of the most man. beautiful people yeah. on the planet that, that we've ever been able to meet we had him on the podcast for our, our 100th episode um nice. what has your experience been like with him well i just met him he came to my home with my with my friend and uh, we just had a lovely discussion and he asked me a bunch of questions around the drowning and he said you're really scoring high for someone who's probably had a near-death experience that's probably why you're so at peace because i mm. just i can't not be at peace i just feel it feels so natural and peaceful to me even knowing the date it doesn't freak me out i don't have any fear of death whatsoever but i will say when i when i sent the text to the to erica who will um administer the injections i did cry i thought this is very very final like this is this is it mm. and i thought about it all week and i'm like no november 1st it feels like the right day to me it feels mm. like the right time it makes everything feel so um it makes everything else feel so less final. You know, like yes. all the all the all the choices that you make that you go You know, like right before you're about to send that email that you're yeah. and you click it and you're like, that's eh, gone. Yeah. You know, like But there was a sense of peace when I sent it, but right. but I did cry a little bit. I was like, Frig, this is it's really it's really yeah. gonna happen. And it's not for fear or anything, it's just that I have to say goodbye to my friends and I love them so much. And my my relationship with my mother has never been better than it is now. Mm. All the all of those goodies, it's hard to say goodbye. But they're also a little bit artificial because things are I'm sure people are treating me a little bit differently because I'm dying and stuff like that. So it's a little bit artificial, mm. but I feel very loved and cherished and good. I feel really good. Was there any, um, uh, you know, I, I can't help but think about like, all right, so the date's coming. I'm putting myself in your shoes. It's coming November 1st. I've got like 29 days, you know, a lot of loose ends I got to tie up. Was there any, uh, Within that process, did you feel the need or or have the the need to contact anyone in your past that you you wanted to like right any wrongs or or I'll tell find you, forgiveness or give forgiveness or not not a single person. I really thought back, and I, I've been that's what I I I have found through this whole journey. I've been going through phase after phase after phase, little tiny slices of phases. Mm. And I, I was in a, a major phase not long ago where I was really 
really examining my life and trying to see like, what did I learn? Like, what were my lessons um, this lifetime? And I really, it's just how I'm wired. I'm not a mean spirited person. So I really find it hard to be unkind to people. I'll stand up for people. I'll tell them off. No problem. But, but just to be like a not like to be mm-hmm. unkind it's just not in my it's not in my dna so i don't really have any regrets or anything that that i need to i don't have anyone i need to make peace with anyone that's not in my life and i've had a few people do some things that weren't that nice that are no longer in my life even since i was diagnosed with cancer i live by two mottos actions speak louder than words <laughs> and when someone shows me who they are i fucking well believe them <laughs> For sure. Yeah. And so a few people have shown me who they are. And that's okay. But they're not going to be part of my life because they're not on my team. Yeah. I right? guess I guess in a way too, like I mean, there's lots of people who who lose their lives without the opportunity to plan. Uh, I've had the gift of time. And and, yes. and like why just because you know the date, why why does that mean that you owe it to somebody else to give any of your remaining time no, exactly. back to them, right? Yeah. Um, if they I, wanted me, if someone came to me and said, look, I really screwed up with you. That was a really foolish thing that I did. I'm really sorry. Uh, I would be like, of course. But if they're just like, well, haven't you made a mistake? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no. <laughs> Not like that. <laughs> no. So, I've had, so I, I, I still think that everyone deserves second chances and all of that. But, but if someone does something underhandedly not because they're just not a good person i'm not going to give them the time of day i have so many stellar people in my life why would i give someone like that a second thought mm-hmm. it's just not i wouldn't even be bothered you also have 29 days left so it's like you I don't know. have time to worry about that shit <laughs> Let, speaking of days i will say this on october 1st i woke up and i had been off a steroid i had some swelling in my brain and I had to take a steroid. I felt like I had a hairline fracture in my skull. And the steroid really helped. So it was time to go off it. And I felt like death was coming over me. I've had a few times. You just feel so terrible. So they put me back on the steroid and it really helps me up. I've, I'm on one today. I was on two the last two days. Better than I'm on one today. Anyway, I just... Oh, that's my train of thought. Um, October 1st, you woke up. Oh, yes, I woke up and I was just had this overwhelming feeling like, oh my God, I've got so much to do and not enough time. Mm. But I have been planning this for two years. I've got my, you open up my, my laptop, Audrey's will, Audrey's funeral plan, Audrey's obituary. Audrey's this and that. So it's so organized, but I still had this overwhelming feeling that I have all this stuff to do. When did you set the date? I originally set the date, my birthday is March 27th, and I originally set the date probably like five months ago. I was going to try to make it to my birthday. And I went to my oncologist and said, I'm going to go, I'm going to, I, I was born on March 27th, I'm going to leave. Because I always say both, I think both days are equally important. And he said, oh, but Audrey, you're not going to make it. I'm like, what? I couldn't Whoa. believe it. He kind of led me to believe I might live for a couple of more years, maybe. And... That was I had to I had to I had to make peace with it almost all over again, mm. and then I just chose November first, and I just thought I love I wanted to get through fall I love the fall, 
and can't miss Halloween. Can't, I, I, that's right, and uh, that's right. That's and I didn't want to wreck Christmas, not so I thought it's yeah. not too too close to December. Yeah. Right after, like right. right before, like that's right. Yeah. Morning Halloween being done. That's right. It's, it's, a, it's a small window. It's, it's like very it's the small. first day. November first. Advertising the Christmas. I know the, the songs are playing. They're all you know? going to be so, playing. That's right. That's right. No yeah. Christmas music at my funeral. No first. way. That's right. So I just I don't know. It just felt like the right date. Yeah. And I I just said that's going to be my date, and I stuck with it and uh i I just feel really good about Um, it sitting sitting here in front of uh, a bunch of like med school students and future doctors and doctors like uh, i'm curious to know about your experience like was there any outstanding medical experiences that that you had um during your diagnosis that really stuck out to you yeah i would start off by saying the first oncologist i had was not looking at my scans so i if I hadn't have fired him and gotten a whole new oncology team from a friend advocating for me, I probably wouldn't be sitting here. So a lesson that I learned and I share (laughs) often with people is that you must advocate for yourself. There's no one is going to advocate for you like yourself. And fortunately for me, I have power. I have such fabulous friends and lots of friends in high places that advocated for me without me even asking. So that's an important lesson. I had I had a, uh, when I was first being diagnosed, I had a neurology resident. She was kick ass. Uh, they wanted to send me home before they had the appointment for the, um, I had the mammogram, but I had to have the biopsy. And I said, I'm not leaving this hospital without that appointment. It won't, it'll be months before I get one. I'm not leaving. And she even said, you're not leaving until I get one. And she was just, she was a resident and she went and got, uh, got me an appointment. So that was great. I, I've had other medical, like, uh, students that are still in medical school that are working with doctors and they have been phenomenal. And some of my, my friends usually come with me to my doctor's appointments and we, we give them critiques. We say, look, you're really good. Keep this. Get rid of that. Um, you know, they probably love you. <laughs> but we have we've given a lot of students, medical students, lots of f- feedback in what feels good. You know, and just being, just hearing people is extremely important. And not, don't ever make people feel like you're just brushing them off. You're talking about their life. It's so important. And you and you guys get rated now online, so you have to think about that. <laughs> you do, absolutely. It's hard, too, because, like, doctors are oftentimes, like, overworked, busy days. They, mm-hmm. they go from appointment to appointment, person, patient after patient after patient, but it's still, like, every time you walk into the room, you need to have this new level of, like, mm-hmm. um, um, like attention to the, the patient. Yes. Kind of remind yourself that... Each experience is new, which is is admirable that that people like you guys do that. Um, it is tough, but also as, as a patient, like your it's your life, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it could be your life that you're that yeah. you're dealing with. So um, there's definitely like a bit of a paradox there, where it's 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 certainly hard at times. I would say this: if you if you medical students could hear this, as a as a patient. Well, I, uh, a friend of mine who works with the provincial government made this statement, which I really love. I'm going to make two statements. I'll say this one first. I need a doctor. You need a nurse practitioner. You know, we're talking about how, how to save money in our, in our, in our, in our health care. Um, 
I think we need to look at things like that. People who are most sick should get the doctors and people who just need a, a prescription for cold medicine could maybe not tie up so many doctors. If we're trying to save money and make sure we have doctors in all of our rural areas and stuff like that, I think that's a valid something to think about. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing, when you're dealing with uh, patients, there are so many new things on the horizon. And when I'm fighting for my life and I say to my oncologist, is there a, a trial that I could go in? Is there a surgery being done that I might try? And when a doctor says, no, there's nothing going on like that, I'm going to take your word as frigging gospel. And if it isn't gospel, please don't say it. Please look. Or please say, I don't have time to look. But if you could look, look here. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I just I had a conversation with two people in the last 24 hours that talked about a doctor saying to them, no, there was nothing else available. And then they learned that there was. And my cousin is actually still alive um, by doing a risky procedure. And she, and she got it because her mom literally begged the doctor. And he said, there's this terrible surgery. It, it could you could die on the table. This could happen. That could happen. It could possibly save you. Well, it saved my cousin. And if my aunt hadn't have been there, she fell to the floor and said, you must save my daughter and wrapped her arms around the doctor's leg, freaked him right out. But <laughs> if she hadn't have done that, my cousin would be deceased now. So I think there's got to be a way to let patients know what's available to them without, because we're going to think that you're God. We just are because we don't know more than you know. So that's something to think about. I'll put that out as something to think about. Well, we have had, um, we have had a handful of moments in our time doing this, um, which serendipitously is just a, about three years um, since, we've, since uh-huh. we began. And uh, where we've really learned where we've had some pretty like you know major revelations about around what it means to live and what it means to die and this is certainly one of them mm-hmm. um, I, I i although I, I your your attitude and your your perspective on this and the way that you are going um, going to november first with with uh, with a fearless mindset is 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 incredibly admirable and Thank you. I think that I know that you are you are a, a shining light for um, the reason why this program is important and the reason That's why right. people uh, should have the, the choice uh, to make their mm-hmm. own decisions and um, and for that I know that that we thank you um, and I, I know that thank everybody you so here much for having you. me yes and uh, it's it's been a profound uh, experience with you thank before you. we wrap it up there's there's one question that uh, that we really love to ask I have, uh, most of our guests, but I'm like dying to ask you. I have I have another one right before that. Before, if you want to end on that, go for it. I okay. have six more yeah. just before yeah. you say that. Yeah. Oh, I have seven more. Um, we could do this all day. So, um, uh, I'm I'm curious, and maybe you guys uh, were kind of wondering the same thing because we had talked about this before. But what is it with the so the regulation around? Um, the uh, consent made yes. is so it's you have to sign off uh, on that initial. So I signed that that initial when I when I went through the interviews, I signed off on it. So when Erica comes on November first, she's going to give me the evil eye and make sure 
make sure that I'm of sound mind. So you have to be of sound mind. I have to be of sound mind. So that could mean two things. That could mean, you know, the cancer. I do have cancer in the lining of my brain. So she'll be checking to make sure that I'm still Audrey. And I'm on terrific amount of pain medication. So, But my pain medication, do I seem like I'm medicated to you? Yeah. So luckily my, my pain meds don't really change my personality. But on some people, if they do, they would have to come off their pain medication so that they're of sound mind when they come to do the maid. So, so that's the why, I, that's all the day of. So I'm hoping that I'm going to be just fine. But if I'm, not, if I'm not Audrey, if I'm off a little bit, she doesn't think I'm of sound mind, she will not do it. And it was there because you, it's my understanding that you had to choose the date of November 1st with the um, uh, kind of mindset that you would still be of sound mind on that day. That's right. And not any further down the line. I'm scared to go any longer because if I do, like I say, it could be shit show, could be good. And if I, if I go too far and it goes into my brain, because I, like this whole side of my face is numb and my brain was swollen and I've just had lots of little things, you know, just happening. So I'm scared if I wait too long, then I'm not going to get what I because want. Because before this conversation, um, now that I've spoken to you, I understand that choosing November 1st for you is it's not arbitrary. About, it's, it's arbitrary. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter no. if you get. But like where it's you're okay with with dying, and that mm-hmm. day is your decision. But I might have waited and, till December first, right? But so you would have, might have waited if. Do you it, think you would have waited um, if if it wasn't? I would have waited if the regulation wasn't. Yeah, that you I would have waited a bit longer. On the day yeah. you would have waited. A bit I probably longer. would have waited to try to go to the new year. Yeah. Yeah, and if I knew that once I had that directive signed. And no matter what happened to me, I could just have it done. I would have waited. I would have tried to go through Christmas. In your opinion, I won't, is there... I'm, I reluctantly say that to my friends because I've had so many friends writing me, can't you just put it off for another week or another two weeks or another three? But no, I, I, I'm going on November 1st. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and then, again, like I understand that because of the circumstances, um, but it, do you have an opinion about the way that it... it that I it shouldn't have be? to. I should just be able to go through, go through the system... And make a directive, and I think it should stand. And and I, I I get that, but like as an advocate too, who's who's you know trying to leave um, the future generations with yes. like a powerful message and and uh, a, a lesson maybe as as you leave here, like is there is there a way that you think it could be done better? The easiest way I can say it, it's such a a big topic, but I do believe when they were debating about medical assistance and dying in Canada, there does have to be a measure in place. What if, what if um, a bully of a son is trying to make his mother die so he can inherit her house and her car and all that kind of, and her money and whatever? That's, I think I saw that on Passions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what day. if, like that, that to me... That to me would be an exception to the rule. I think I'm the rule. I'm the rule in that I am terminally ill, um, Jeremy is terminally ill. Uh, for someone who has early onset Alzheimer's, who knows he's going to lose his his himself, that's my fear is losing myself. Um, I think that we're the rule, and we should be able to sign up for it and make it a directive, and it should stand. If doctors notice that there's something fishy with a family that doesn't feel right, then they should be able to have this measure in place to maybe do some investigation. 
That's how I see it. And I don't know all the answers. I don't know enough about it. I just know that I'm going through it. And if I'm not of sound mind on November 1st, I will not be getting those injections. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would you say is the, the biggest thing that uh, this entire experience has, has taken away from you? The dying experience? Cancer, dying. Dance. God, I miss dancing. Yeah. I really miss dancing. I, it's just my passion. And I really miss it a lot. But I don't feel that I've lost anything. I've, I, I, I have my friends. I'm, I feel good everywhere. I feel good and I feel relatively healthy considering my, my health. You my look poor fucking health. amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Look you. Like, yeah. Thank you. You look really good. Yeah. My color. <laughs> Settle down, Brian. I'll take it. I'll take Settle it. Settle down. <laughs> like, what are you doing later? Ethics, Brian. <laughs> Ethics. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, my God. I said, I said, I did a, a video for a fashion show the other week, and at the end of the video, I say, who, like, who dies of cancer fat? Really? Come on. <laughs> Me. I keep taking the damn steroids, and I gain more weight. I'm, I think I'm like 70 pounds up on steroids Ooh. now. It's unbelievable. And I said, I was really looking forward to, I have like a wardrobe that goes from like size 2 to size 18. And I was so looking forward to those leather pants. I was going <laughs> to finally get my behind in those leather pants. Deborah took them the other day. Not, it's not going to work. No, not going to work. Do you have right. your friends taking your clothes? I have given all, look, I spent a lifetime, I'm a fashionista. I didn't have children. I own all the designer bags, all the designer jewelry, all the designer clothes. All of it. All of it. <laughs> All of it. I have a Dior bag I saw left. That. I saw that. And She's I just ha- gonna throw it into yeah. the crowd. <laughs> you get a Dior bag, and you get a Dior bag. And I have a Chanel bag, which is going to be my urn. And oh, that's, that's all I have left. That's that all is, I have left. That's all I have left. You I gave all of it away, and I have an, a, a lady, a friend of mine. She's getting my entire wardrobe, and uh, nice. it is so freeing to just. Give it away. I spent a lifetime working, collecting, and finding, and spending, and you know, and it's all gone. And it, I love it. I love just giving it away. It makes me feel so good. Now, aside from the weight, what would you say is the biggest thing that this has given you? <laughs> <laughs> good a lot of weight. Um, what's it given me? I, like I said, I, I think this journey. I feel really proud of myself. I really do. I really like myself. I never used to look at videos, and I think, I, I like me. I like who I've become. I like, I like what I stand for. And that feels really good to be at the end of my life and to be able to look in the mirror and say, I like me. I, I like me. I'm a good person. And everything that I did that was good is coming back to me in spades. So I highly recommend being a good person. I really do. <laughs> Um, one final question. When you go, would you be our guardian angel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Every time you get a little like that, <laughs> or a little like that, that'll be me saying, snap out of it! <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, Audrey Parker. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you guys, oh my God. Really nice. Um, you guys.
Very nice. Thank you. St. John, let's get up! Come on! St. John, let's go! Yeah! <laughs> For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.